We have a treat this morning for sure. Dr. Glenn Jonas is no stranger to us here at Oakmont. He's been here on several occasions for various events. Dr. Glenn Jonas is a Howard Professor of Religion and Associate Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences at Campbell University. He's served in both academic and ministerial capacities for a number of years. He received his Bachelor of Arts from Mars Hill College and also has a Master of Divinity degree from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary and a Doctor of Philosophy from Baylor University in the area of church history. Dr. Jonas has been at Campbell since 1994, and he and his wife live in Bowie's Creek with their daughters, Hannah and Gracie, and it is our treat. We are very happy to have you today, Dr. Jonas. Well, good morning. It is uh, good to be back at Oakmont Baptist Church. I have uh, such wonderful uh, experiences every time I come here, and, and I have... Uh, uh, been fortunate enough to to preach here on several occasions through the years, and and uh, most recently I was here last summer and led some um, uh, adult study at Vacation Bible School as we talked about uh, uh, the Reformation. And so I'm uh, very honored to be back. I was excited when Greg called me several months ago and asked me if I'd be willing to come today. And so thank you for the opportunity to be with you today. During the 1970s, one of the most popular and critically acclaimed television shows was the show All in the Family, starring Carol O'Connor, Gene Stapleton, Rob Reiner, and Sally Struthers. All in the Family was indeed a groundbreaking television show because it brought to audiences a hard-hitting, realistic satire rather than the naive uh, comedy escapism of the 1960s. The main character of the show, as many of you recall, was a character named Archie Bunker. I've always enjoyed the show, but what I particularly enjoyed was the theology of Archie Bunker. From time to time, the show brought in themes of religion, and because Archie's son-in-law, Michael Stivick, was an agnostic, uh, it, it led sometimes to some interesting theological discussions. Although Archie himself never attended church in the storyline, he was opinionated and he was an expert on theology. Here are just a few of his Archieisms, as I like to call them. In the famous episode which guest starred Sammy Davis Jr., Archie was quoted as saying, quote, Now, no prejudice intended, but I always check with the Bible on these here things, and I think that, I mean that if God had meant for us to be together, He would have put us together. But look what He done. He put you over in Africa and put the rest of us in the white countries. And to that, Sammy Davis Jr. responded, Well, He must have told them where we were because somebody came and got us. Once in an argument with his son-in-law, Mike, Mike reminded Archie, remember that Jesus was Jewish, to which Archie replied, yes, but only on his mother's side. <laughs> and concerning the divinity of Christ, Archie said, all over the world they celebrate the birth of that baby and everybody gets time off from work. 
Now, if that ain't proof he's the Son of God, then nothing is. <laughs> On the nature of God, Archie once said, God don't make no mistakes. That's how he got to be God. But my very favorite Archieism of all time that leads to the point of this sermon is the one statement that I believe theologically Archie got correct. If you look through the show, and, and actually there are websites that have all of these quotes that you, can, that you can find. If you look through all of Archie's theological statements, he is typically just way off base. And, and that's why we, we find them to be humorous. But on one occasion, I think Archie hit the bullseye. He was talking to his wife, Edith, one day in one episode, and he was talking about faith. And Archie said, it ain't supposed to make sense. It's faith. Faith is something that you believe that nobody in his right mind would believe. Faith is something that you believe that nobody in his right mind would believe. What a profound statement. Faith is something that you believe that nobody in their right mind would believe. The passage of Scripture that I want to share with you this morning comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 3. Hebrews chapter 11. Verses 1 through 3. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Indeed, by faith our ancestors received approval. By faith we understand that the worlds that were prepared by the word of God, so that what, so that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. Would you join with me for a moment in prayer? Oh God, I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart might be acceptable in your sight. Oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. In this passage of scripture that I just read from Hebrews chapter 11, we find the Bible's definition of faith. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. The New International Version puts it this way. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. The contemporary English version says it this way, Faith makes us sure of what we hope for and gives us proof of what we cannot see. I think there are two specific points to this definition of faith that Hebrews provides for us that I would like to look at for a couple minutes this morning. First, let's look at what faith has. The first part of the verse explains to us what faith has. It already possesses in the present what God has promised for the future. Tom Long, a, a wonderful preacher and a good interpreter of the Bible, has a very good discussion of this chapter from Hebrews in his uh, little commentary, uh, uh, one of his little commentaries on Hebrews. And 
And Long says that there are two aspects to this. There's both an inward and an outward aspect to it. Inward, he said, people longingly have, uh, people of faith inwardly have a confidence today, here and now, that when everything around us seems to be breaking down, the promises of God for peace and justice and mercy can be trusted. Inwardly, that's what faith does for us. Faith, therefore, becomes a response to the trustworthiness of God. It's like swinging, as as Long says, it's like swinging out on the vine of God's promises over the chasms of life, trusting that the vine will hold. But faith is more than just an inward assurance. It's the very being of God's promises. It's more than the inner confidence that the powers of the world that press down and destroy human life will eventually yield and that God's promises will be revealed someday. It is the reality of those promises moving as an advance force and operating behind enemy lines, Long says. Therefore, faith inwardly sings, we shall overcome. Faith as an outward reality marches at Selma. Faith as an inward reality trusts God's promise that mourning and crying and pain will be no more. Faith as an outward reality prays boldly for those who mourn. It serves tenderly for those who weep. It works tirelessly to ease the pain of those who are wounded. Inwardly, faith moves hearts, Long says. Outwardly, faith moves mountains. I once read about a woman who was called to serve as a missionary out west, home mission work out west with one of the Native American groups out there. She packed up her belongings and she drove out into the desert to the post where she was supposed to serve and she was just so excited about this new ministry opportunity in her life that she drove past the last gas station for a hundred miles without noticing that she needed to fill up with gas. And she ran out of gas about a mile down the road. So she got out of her car and she walked back to the small gas station that was there about a mile back from where her car had, had died. And the attendant came out of the office and he met her to see what he could do to help her. And she explained that she had run out of gas about a mile down the road and didn't have anything to transport the gas back to her car in. And so the attendant didn't have any gas cans or anything like that. So he went around to the back of the station to an old shed to see if he could find something to put just enough gas in her car to get her back to the station where she could fill up. And the only thing that he could find was an old hospital bedpan. And she told him it would work just fine and that it would give her just enough gas where she'd get back to the station. So she carried this old bedpan very carefully down the road, trying not to spill any of the gas along the way. And when she got to her car, she carefully poured the contents of the bedpan into the tank of her car. And as she was doing this, a truck driver just happened to drive by and see what was going on, going on. And he pulled up alongside of her, and he rolled down his window, and he shouted, Lady, I wish I had your faith. 
The, the great theologian Augustine once said, faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward of this faith is to see what we believe. Clement of Alexandria said, faith is voluntary anticipation. Faith is that quality of assurance that when life tumbles in on us, that ultimately there is, a, there, there is still a God who is in control. And that while we do not have the answers right now, we can still trust that God will bring about a calm in the midst of the storm. But a second thing about faith that I want us to notice this morning, and that is what faith perceives. The second aspect of faith is the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. This points to the capacity of faith to see things beyond the naked eye. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, and then again in chapter 5, verse 7, Paul says it this way, What can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. We walk by faith and not by sight. To the person of faith, the universe has purpose. It's not just a random swirl of matter. John Calvin once said, If God should withdraw his hand a little, all things would immediately perish and dissolve into nothing. The naked eye, when we look around us today, we see trouble all around. But to the eye of faith, through toil, through toil and adversity, there's another reality that we can perceive. What the naked eye can see is a world of suffering and setback, violence and hardship. Given the harsh realities of this world, faith is the ability to see with the inner eye, to see what cannot be seen with the natural eye. Martin Luther said it this way in the third verse of his wonderful hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his triumph through us, his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure. For lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fail him. Many of you, a number of years ago, saw that wonderful George Lucas film starring Harrison Ford and Sean, Sean Connery called Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I think it was my favorite of the Indiana Jones movies. Indiana Jones and his father are on a quest for the Holy Grail. After a long series of near-death adventures in their search, they come to a passage that leads to the cave where the grail is located. But the passage opens up to reveal a wide, deep abyss that separates them from where they are to where they need to go. On the other side, there appears to be only a cliff wall and as he looks down, Indy says, it's a leap of faith. 
And his father calls out to him, you must believe, boy, you must believe. And then he does it. Indiana Jones lifts one foot and he brings it down. And even though he sees nothing for his foot to land upon, he steps into the, in, into the space and suddenly his foot rests on something. Even though he was not able to see it with his eye, once he took the step out into the abyss, suddenly a bridge appeared, and he was able to walk across the bridge to the other side. Chuck Swindoll, in his book, Living Above the Level of Mediocrity, tells the story of a man who was lost in the desert, and he's about to die from thirst. And he came upon an old run-down shack, and he went inside trying to find some shade and maybe something to drink. And as he looked around, he saw an old water pump on the other wall of the shack, and he grabbed the handle of the pump, and he began to pump up and down, up and down. But nothing came out, just as dry as it could be. He exhausted himself, pumping this handle up and down. Disappointed, he staggered back to the corner, and he noticed an old jug off to the side. He looked at it, and he wiped away the dirt and the dust that were on the jug, and he read this message that was written on the jug. And the message said, you have to prime the pump with all of the water in this jug. P.S. Be sure to fill the jug up before you leave. Well, he popped the cork on the jug, and the jug was full of water. Well, now he had a decision to make. If he drank the water, he would have his thirst quenched, and he would live. If he poured the water into this old rusty pump to prime the pump, maybe it would bring fresh water from down below, but maybe it wouldn't. Maybe the well was all dried up. Maybe the pump didn't work after all. And so what would he do? Would he drink down the water and have no water left for the rest of his journey? Or would he take a chance? Would he take that leap of faith and use the water to prime the old pump? Well, he studied his options. And finally, after thinking about it for a little bit, he reluctantly decided to pour all of the water into the pump to prime the pump. And he grabbed the handle and he began to pump. And he pumped and he pumped and he pumped. And finally, there came a little trickle of water until the trickle of water turned into a large gush of water. Cool, fresh water coming down from way below the ground. He drank all the water he could drink, and then he drank some more. He filled up whatever containers he could find to carry with him. And then he filled up the jug to the very top for the next traveler. And he put the cork back on the jug, and he added this to the note. Believe me, it really works. You have to give it all away before you get anything back. It ain't supposed to make sense, Edith. It's faith. Faith is believing in something that nobody else in their right mind would believe in. Please join me in prayer. Oh God, as the man once 
said to Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. We confess to you that our faith sometimes needs to be strengthened as we journey. And so this morning, Lord, we ask that you might strengthen our faith. Help us to trust more fully in you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.